You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1205 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night on a Friday into Saturday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast, making us your first lesson each and every day. Also, today's podcast is brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan, own an officially licensed rare NFT of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at lockedon.nbatopshot.com. Today's show, we'll get into what became a 121 to 110 victory by the Hawks over the Warriors at State Farm Arena. A very interesting game, kind of a lot of back and forth, and the Hawks get back to 500 with the win at 37 37. That's obviously a good sign. They are down 10 games over 500 at home, 10 games under 500 on the road. So, round numbers all around for the Hawks. But they scored 36 points in the first quarter of this game and were losing. But from there, defensively, it got a lot better as the Warriors seemed to sort of, sort of tire out without Steph Curry. And the Hawks did trail for the majority of the first half and had a great middle port, middle part portion of this game, dominating the middle quarters, second and third quarters, and then the fourth quarter. They had to hang on for dear life, to be, to be sure, but they were able to do so, never lost the lead, and uh, they, they were able to sort of escape with an 11-point victory that is uh, certainly one that looks good on paper. So we'll get into all of what transpired here, but basically the Hawks winning at home is never a huge surprise to me, particularly against a team that was undermanned on some level. It's still sort of a taking care of business kind of victory for the Hawks and one they definitely needed to uh, add to their win column. Coming into the night, the Hawks were above average at home for the season at 23 and 14, about a plus four net rating. The Warriors are a good road team, but in a big swing here, of course, number one is that both teams were playing the third game in four nights. The Golden State was playing their third and four nights on the road, so it's certainly an advantage there for Atlanta being in, their, in the friendly confines of State Farm Arena. But the big thing was the absence of Steph Curry. So the Hawks are still without John Collins, which we'll come back to in a second, but Steph Curry is sort of the sun, moon, and stars for the Warriors. They're definitely a different team. Without him, they have a negative net rating for the season when he's off the floor. They were 3-6 and six coming in in full games that he's missed. So that's a huge factor, and that's why, at least in part, the Hawks were favored in this game. I guess the Warriors team that has a much better record than the Hawks do. Um, also, Iguodala was out for the Warriors in this spot as well. Coming into Friday, though, the Hawks were supposed to be at virtually full strength. Now, John Collins is still out. He will not be reevaluated until next week even, so no, no mystery there. But on Friday afternoon, the Hawks added two guys to the injury report, one of which was more important than the other. Bogdanovich was added on Friday afternoon with, with right knee soreness as questionable. Then he was able to warm up and seemed like he might play, but ended up not playing. Uh, it was actually, you know, from to go from in to questionable to out in the span of only a few hours, kind of concerning. He's, he's been on the injury report a lot recently as questionable. So we'll see what the health status of Bogdanovich is moving forward. But that's obviously a pretty big loss. You know, the Hawks being without two of their top six, seven guys, Certainly makes a difference. Uh, Skyler May is also out, by the way, with a non-COVID illness that's kept him out of the lineup for the last couple of days. But even with all of that, with Collins out, with Bogey out, etc., the Hawks were two-point favorites at BetOnline, our friends over there, which again tells you, you know, the power of home court advantage and also the power of Steph Curry not playing. I think if Steph would have played in this game, the Hawks would have been underdogs, and that's probably the correct decision. Steph's probably worth three, four, five points to a point spread. But in this game, the Hawks were favored, and they were able to hold serve at home in encouraging fashion. So we'll get into the game now as it sort of went here. And it might be a little bit shorter podcast because it's definitely very, very late into the night here. I had a, a full day of travel and all that stuff, but it was actually kind of a – it's always fun, always more fun to watch a game on delay when it's a positive result. Got to be honest with you about that as sort of a look behind the curtain here. But the Hawks were actually leading 10-3 to at the outset. 
Kevin Herter had a nice start to the game, hit a couple threes right away. Actually hit three threes in the first six minutes, did Herter in this one. Capella had a great rebounding start. He had six rebounds before the first time out. Um, definitely being up misses around the rim. And the Hawks were cooking on offense. They had 24 points in the first 13 possessions. That's obviously an excellent figure, almost two points per possession. But they were only up by five, which is a little bit strange because the offense was really dominating. But the Warriors were 5-8 from three at the outset. Clay Thompson was hot. Jordan Poole was hot. And uh, it definitely continued for a little while. Obviously, it cooled off at some point. But it was the uh, offense first barrage on both sides in the first quarter. Uh, rotationally, without Bogdanovich available, the Hawks actually played the starters for a long time together, a lot longer than usual. But then it was TLC as the backup forward minutes, first out of the gate with Gallinari sitting, then DeLon Wright and Okongwu after that. Actually, Kevin Herter had to go to the locker room after he uh, left the game in the first quarter, ended up coming back in the game, but had a, had a left shoulder strain in this one. The Hawks only put eight guys in the first quarter. Um, actually went to Lou Williams as the ninth guy, I believe, in the second quarter as Trey Young played the entire first quarter. But notably, no, Jail- no Jalen Johnson. So I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast on Wednesday when Jalen had his best game as a pro. He played very well. That was definitely a, a good matchup for him in some respects. He had fresh legs, playing kind of a bad team in Detroit, all that stuff. I was not terribly surprised that he did not play in this game. I know Hawks fans were uh, maybe not surprised, but certainly frustrated by that. I understand that because Jalen obviously is a big-time prospect and ended up playing well on Wednesday. I will note this. I know know Kevin Schnarr did as well. Um, Playing against the Warriors system defensively in particular is a lot different and also a lot more difficult than playing against the Warriors. And I would imagine that was the reason why they did not go to Jalen in this game because defensively the matchup is very difficult when you're talking about the uh, the stuff the Warriors run, just very different than a lot of other teams. Um, also, I, don't, I know people hated playing TLC over him, but I will just note this, TLC played well in this game. We'll come back to that later on. But um, I was not surprised. Uh, you know, If they had played Jalen, I would have been totally fine with that. I think that he should play more at some point in the near future when the matchups are, are dictating as much. In fact, I'll have a couple uh, friendly games coming up in which he might be able to have more targeted minutes but uh, no huge surprise. Just wanted to at least note that at the top of the podcast. Elsewhere, um, the Hawks opened up a seven-point lead at one point on the first quarter, but the Warriors run a 13-0 run to go up by six late in the first. Nate called timeout in the middle of that, and the Hawks were, at that timeout, were scoring 1.6 points per possession, which is absolutely ludicrous, and they were losing. Uh, the only thing that I would say offensively at the outset that was bad was a bad shot by DeAndre Hunter. Uh, I think he actually airballed it over the shot clock. That was uh, kind of a weird decision slash execution play but other than Trey Young getting a second foul later in the first quarter he put the entire quarter by the way there's a lot of good offense a lot of bad defense in fact um the weird thing there was that TLC had three fouls in five minutes he had a three actually but that was kind of all he was able to do in that opening period but the Hawks scored almost 1.4 point for possession in the first quarter that is a ludicrously high number for a team that was down by six at the end of the quarter they shot 60 percent from the floor they had five threes they had nine assists all those numbers are excellent. The only thing that was bad about the offense was they have six turnovers in the first quarter. That's very bad, for, especially by Hawk standards, because the Hawks, of course, are awesome in ball security. But defensively, the numbers were breathtakingly bad in the first quarter. A 161 defensive rating in the first quarter for Atlanta. Some of that's the Warriors being hot. You know, Even without Steph, um, Clay and Jordan Poole were combined six of eight from three. Um, even on good looks, that's tough to do, and they actually took some pretty difficult looks, as Clay is wont to do. But the Warriors shot 63% from the floor in the first quarter, made seven threes at a team, and that's difficult to guard. Also, the thing that I want to at least point out here is that the Hawks had twice as many turnovers as the Warriors did in that first quarter. It did flip from there, which we'll get into later on, but it's sort of untenable for Atlanta, especially because the Warriors, if they have a weakness in offense, it's their turnovers, especially when Steph plays, but he's almost 
regardless, is that Golden State shoots the ball very well. They pass the ball very well, but they do have a lot of turnover problems. And the Hawks, of course, have number one in the league kind of ball security numbers. But in the first quarter, six turnovers for the Hawks, three for the Warriors, and that's a bad recipe moving forward. Uh, we're getting in the second quarter and the third quarter and the fourth quarter. I'm sort of uh, breaking a little bit earlier on this podcast because the middle two quarters were so good. We'll touch on that in a second and a positive note. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. It's March, and the tournament is finally upon us in college basketball with all the latest odds, totals, player props, exotics, and much more. BetOnline.net is the number one place for all of your sports betting needs. And beyond that, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, your sports podcasts, and all of your news this season. You can also find lines on the latest futures in the NBA if you have thoughts on who's going to win the title this year or with the conference or the division or the play-in, etc., or get a head start on the 2022 NFL season. We'll look at headlines, futures, win totals, and much more on the football side. And of course, not just basketball or football, but online because BetOnline has all kinds of sports covered from hockey to baseball, auto racing, MMA, everything in between, horse racing odds, casino games, etc., entertainment bets, Oscars coming up pretty soon, and uh, all of that wall-to-wall coverage at BetOnline. Head to BetOnline right now. Use mobile device at the moment as well to learn all about all the trends and all the action today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, and we'll dive into the second quarter now. And uh, really the only part that was bad about the middle quarters for the Hawks in this game was the start of the second quarter, an 8-3 run by the Warriors to go up by 11 points. Lou Williams actually had the first five points when he finally came in for Trey Young. But other than that, the Hawks could not get any stops for a while. It was sort of a carryover from the first quarter. Hunter had a bad sequence in which he had a turnover and also seemed to sort of blow a switch that led to a Draymond Green three-point play with a Kongwu. Uh, but after a timeout, things got a lot better for the Hawks for a long time, actually. So there's a big block by Kongu on Draymond. That started a stretch of four stops in a row for the Hawks, which felt like Christmas after the first you know, 15 minutes of this game. Uh, Hunter had a couple of good rim attacks after he started slowly in this spot, and the Hawks had an 8-0 run to get back within three points. Capella was finishing everything around the ring. He made his first five shots in this game, including back-to-back makes at the rim um, in succession. Um, Clay hit two more threes, though, and the Hawks were down by nine. But to end the second quarter, it was an 11-0 run by Atlanta in the final two minutes or so of the second. Threes by Gallinari and Herter, plus a three-point play by Trey Young. He had five of those 11 points. And the Hawks go from down nine and down, by the way, as much as 11 in the second quarter to being leading at the half. That was a big swing and ended up being uh, kind of prescient for what was to come for Atlanta. But in the first half, they had a 141 offensive rating. That's obviously fantastic. Only two turnovers in the second, in the second quarter. That was a much better 60% shooting from the entire for the entire half, 38% from three. Gallinari had 19 points in the first half of this game. That actually tied his season high for scoring in any half, which tells you a lot about the way he was uh, putting the ball in the basket. He did he did actually take a lot of shots. Um, led the team in shooting possessions by like six, but so that was a little bit uh, a little bit strange there. But he's obviously a guy that wants to that you want to feed when he has it going. But they that's good balance. Four guys double figures in the first half. Trey had seven assists. Herter had four threes. They were uh, certainly playing very well on offense. In the second quarter, they were better on defense, and that kind of carried over into the third. Um, still, the rest of the Warriors, the non-Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole Warriors, were one of 11 from three in the first half, and they kind of cooled off on the whole. In the third quarter, it was uh, much friendlier for Atlanta. In fact, it was their best quarter of the game by a wide margin. It ended up being a 32-16 to 16 advantage in the third quarter overall. And honestly, it was kind of a back-and-forth start, so it really was like the last eight minutes of the third quarter. There was a 7-0 run by the Hawks to go by 11 midway through the quarter. Then right after that, after Golden State scored a couple times, a 15-4 run to close the quarter up. Trey and DeLon Wright hit threes in the last like 40 seconds around an offensive foul by Draymond Green. They doubled them up. Again, 32-16 in the period. The Hawks made four threes and four free throws and had zero turnovers on the way to 32 points. In that third quarter, Trey had 15 by himself. He certainly got uh, got very hot 
and was dominant in that stretch. They threw Gary Payton the second at him. That was the right decision because Gary Payton's a good defender. But uh, once Trey figured it out, it was kind of curtains for everyone on the Warriors. And also, at the same time as the Hawks were getting hot, the Warriors shot 33% from the floor and 0 of 6 from 3 with five turnovers in that third quarter. So a big, big swing in favor of Atlanta. In fact, the middle quarters of this game, which is why I sort of broke, broke what I did earlier, were 65 to 41 in favor of the Hawks. So the Hawks won this, game, won this game by 11 points. They won the middle quarters by 24. So that means they lost the first and the third pretty handily, but it didn't matter because they were so, so dominant and so good in the middle portion of this game. Uh, in the fourth, obviously, if you uh, saw the score or watched this game live, you would know the uh, fourth quarter was a little bit uh, a little bit dicey. In fact, on the whole, the Hawks only scored 20 points, and they were not good on offense in that fourth period. But a 15-2 run by the Warriors to open the fourth quarter. The league got down, league got down to five at one point at, at that stage. In fact, they got down to three at one point later on. But the Hawks really had their worst offensive stretch of the entire game by a wide margin early in the fourth quarter. Um, they actually got Trey and Herder to come back very, very quickly. But the Hawks scored two points on their first 11 possessions of the fourth quarter. That is really rough. Um, and also, by the, by the way, it's two points in almost five minutes. Sorry, more than five minutes in that fourth quarter. And the lead, when it finally kind of stabilized, was down to three. Gallinari actually left the game with about four minutes to go, was ruled out in this contest, actually has a right elbow contusion. He did speak to the media after the game. He was one of the podium guys after a big game. Um, and did say that he got hit on the same elbow. He was bugging him early on this season, or I guess earlier in March and February. But he basically said that it wasn't very good right now. So we'll see if he's actually able to heal. The Hawks do have two days off, which is a pretty good thing for a guy like Gallinari, but he had a big game, 37 minutes, so you might not have noticed that until the very, very end, but he, he was ruled out technically by PR, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. Um, elsewhere, though, beyond the Gallinari exit, the Hawks were dreadful offense in the fourth quarter, I got to be honest, um, other than Trey. Trey had 22-8 in the second half. He was fantastic, and um, as I mentioned before, Trey and Herter had to come in very early, and both guys played 21 minutes in the fourth quarter, uh, sorry, in, this, in the second half of this game. So they had to kind of pull all the stops to stop the bleeding. The bench was not fantastic other than uh, some TLT minutes along the way in place of Gallinari. But um, I thought the Hawks did at least a decent job holding the line and not giving the game away. Because honestly, at times this season, the Hawks would have lost this game. I'm not saying that they, um, they obviously could have lost it tonight. You know, Golden State just kind of stopped making shots. But a lot of the signs, a lot of the warning signs, the flashing light bulb stuff, was out there for the Hawks to give this one away, and it felt kind of perilous at times. They were able to hold on to it, put the game away late, and uh, take care of business through that lens. Um, on offense for the full game, it was actually quite good. A 125 offensive rating for the Hawks in this game. 52% from the floor, 38% from three on 37 attempts. That's a very, very encouraging number for me. They still took less than the Warriors did, but still they shot the ball well on big volume. That's obviously good to see. And it was basically everyone shot decently except for DeAndre Hunter from three. I guess Gallo was two of nine as well, but at least he got, he got a lot of shots. Um, they didn't take a lot of free throw attempts in this game, only 19, but actually that's more than the Warriors took. So that's a slight advantage in that portion of the game. They, get, they did a good job in the offensive glass. Now, defensively, we'll get into it in a second. It was not fantastic, but they got a lot of re rebounds on the offensive glass in this game. That's, that's encouraging to see. Uh, 27 assists and 12 turnovers. Both of those are uh, at least average or better for the Hawks this season. Uh, Assist-wise, that's definitely uh, above where the Hawks average and turnover-wise, basically right at the Hawks average. But the big thing is, after the first quarter, where I referenced earlier where the Hawks turned the ball over double the amount of times the Warriors did, only six turnovers the rest of the game. And that is a, a big, big swing because the shots were going in, that's for sure, but getting more shots to the rim is always an advantage. And the Hawks took as many shots as the Warriors did, and that ended up sort of bringing, bridging the gap on some of that. Um, also, 56 points in the paint is a good number for the Hawks. They were attacking the rim pretty effectively. Obviously, Trey was a big part of that, but um, Capella was good around the rim in this one, etc. Um, 
defensively, it was not pretty on the whole, but the numbers actually for the full game are not too bad because it was a 115 defensive rating. That's like what the Hawks average for the season. But in the second half, the Warriors had a 94 offensive rating. So basically, if you don't know what that means, I'll simplify it for a second. That means the Warriors scored less than a point per possession in the second half. They had a 48% true shooting and turned the ball over on more than one-fifth of their possessions after halftime, did the Warriors. So basically, the combination of the Hawks playing better defense, the Warriors being careless and also missing some shots, the Hawks um, were very good defensively after halftime. That goes without saying when you only allow um, – the yeah, I think it, yeah, it was forty-three points in the second half. But uh, even with the fourth quarter that they that they quote unquote lost, um, the defense was actually quite good. Uh, the Warriors also were hot early on from three. They were seven of thirteen in the first quarter, and they were seven of twenty-eight the rest of the way. So much more normal there. And uh, as a turnover battle, I mentioned the Hawks side a second ago, but the Warriors had thirteen turnovers in the last three quarters. The Hawks only had six, so that's a huge advantage. Also, the Hawks had eleven steals in the game. Anytime the Hawks get eleven live ball turnovers to fuel their offense, that's a big swing in their favor. Uh, defensive rebounding wise, it was not pretty. That was the one area of the defense in which the Hawks did not play particularly well by the numbers in this game. I guess two point shooting allowed is also not very good either, with the Warriors shooting almost sixty percent on twos, but. Um, it's been a problem for a while. I know I'm saying it almost in every podcast, but whenever Capella's off the court, the Hawks have a very, very hard time on the glass. And uh, that was definitely the case. Again, in this one, they were able to sort of hold off that and, you know, playing smaller as they are right now without um, without Collins available. And, you know, you know TLC on the Jalen Johnson stuff, notwithstanding. I did mention this on Wednesday, but if you missed that show for some reason, Jalen Johnson is a rebounding help for sure, which McMillan even mentioned. It's kind of one of the arguments to play Jalen Johnson, but didn't happen in this game, and the Hawks were vulnerable on the glass. But at the end of the day, the starters were really good in this game. The bench was not fantastic, and we'll get into all that in a second, but that was a, ended up being a uh, an optimal time for the Hawks to be good with their best five guys that are available in this spot, and that was why they won this game. Before we get to the second half of uh, the podcast, I guess the, the final half of the podcast, with some player observations and a look ahead to the standings, as well as the rest of the weekend and into next week, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. NBA Top Shot is the official licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with the community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, and it's also a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. This is the future of what NBA fandom looks like. In part, it's trading cards. In part, it's not like a start market for the NBA. It's also fantasy sports, and it's also like an online loyalty program for the NBA. Investors include Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant, two familiar names, obviously not to mention Will Smith. And there's also NBA players in the community like Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, and Cole Anthony. People always ask why they would buy highlights when they can actually just watch it on YouTube for free, but it's not really about just that. It's about having the ownership stake of what's akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. It's also a tip off of a digital age in the NBA and elsewhere. And the NBA's officially licensed NFT will be a big part of the digital age. Imagine where NFTs are going to be mainstream on social media in the future. Sign up for Top Shot today. And honestly, the best way to start off by doing that is to get yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT of a superstar like LeBron or KD or Trey Young, or get a look at star rookies like Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley for just $9. If you didn't pull your favorite player from that starter pack, Snag moments along the way from Marketplace that actually appeal to you as well. Top Shot's moments can actually get you access to events. They can be used in fantasy minigames on a regular basis and much more. NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments in NBA history. And check it all out and sign up today at LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. That's LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. This year, one of my resolutions for the year was to actually eat right and eat much better. I've managed to stick to that with a number of things. And the biggest part of it, honestly, though, is Built Bar. In some ways, 
it's not really a resolution for me anymore because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. They have the protein-infused puff bars that are fantastic to all of the other fan favorites from Built Bar. I've been talking to you about them for a long time, but it's still the case right now. Built Bar is fantastic. Each and every bar has 100% real chocolate. It makes a huge difference, and they taste really, really good. On top of the taste, Built Bars are low-calorie, and they're high-protein. You can easily check out all of that at Built.com on the nutrition page. You'll be blown away by it all because most Built Bars have only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a low calorie count, and you can replace your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve your overall nutrition. Built Bar also has long-time flavors, the coconut almond, and many more, as well as new flavors coming all the time, and all of them are delicious. The best way to check out all, about all of that at Built Bar is to go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you have 15% off on the order when you order at Built.com from Built Bar. That's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, we'll dive into the players now on this final segment of the podcast and uh, lots of good to go around here. Um, but as I mentioned before, the bench was pretty quiet. So Kong Wu played 17 minutes, actually did not take a shot, which is a little bit strange. Five rebounds, did have two blocks, including one huge one on Draymond, um, plus a steal. I thought he played fine. He had two turnovers, though. Offensively, not his best work. Defensively, I thought he was pretty decent. And on the glass, uh, not his best either, but uh, I thought he was okay. Uh, Lou had a good offensive start to the game with five points in about a minute and a half, but that was kind of all he did. Only played 10 minutes. I'm definitely in favor of this, but the Hawks did not play him and Trey together. I believe I believe it all. Maybe maybe a minute or so. I think maybe not even all in this game, though, which I am uh, certainly on board with. Uh, DeLon Wright did DeLon Wright stuff overall. Three points, three rebounds, two assists, and two steals in 19 minutes. Only took one two-point attempt, one three-point attempt. Made the three, missed the two. Um, he was pretty quiet, but not, not in a bad way for DeLon. He kind of did um, what he is out there to do for the most part. And then TLC, I talked about it earlier, but... I know Hawks fans do not like to see TLC on the floor. I understand, especially at the expense of Jalen Johnson, it's not going to be popular ever to play TLC. I will say this, though. If you watch this game, he played well. Uh, the fouls in the first quarter were no, were no, we had three fouls in five minutes. That's not great. But especially in the second half of this game, I thought he played great defense at times, had a block and a steal, had two rebounds, had an assist, um, two turnovers, but actually made a three, got to the line, made two, made two free throws. Um, it wasn't like he's ever going to be flashy because he's not. He, other than the one game against Minnesota this year when he actually bombed away from three, he's not a flashy guy ever. But I thought he was a uh, pretty obviously positive contributor defensively, and that was uh, what the Hawks needed from him in this game. It's not me advocating for him, but I think that uh, he is better than Hawks fans believe that he is. I stand by that every night, and I won't be uh, deterred unless he just starts playing terrible. So to the starters, much more uh, explosive numbers by the starters. The only guy who did not have a great game, among the starters was DeAndre Hunter. 11 points, three rebounds, three assists. Didn't have three steals to lead the team. Was plus six, um, but was 0-3 on threes, 5-10 on twos, 1-3 free throw line. I thought he played better once he settled in. He was pretty bad, I thought, in the first half for the most part. But once he got going, it was not too bad. He was better in the second half. And defensively, he uh, did, he did sort of improve um, after halftime. The other four guys, though, that started were all good to varying degrees. So Kevin Herter had a big game, 20 points, six rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Uh, hit five threes. He was only two of five on twos, which is not terrible, but five, 12 on threes. I love him taking 12 threes. I'm a big fan of Herter hunting his shot, particularly when McDonough is out. The Hawks just need that out of him. And he did in this game. He wasn't like he was unconscious or anything, but he made enough shots, was efficient enough. He defensively did his job once he settled in a little bit and had to guard Jordan Poole at times. But I thought that uh, Herter, Herter was good in this game. Uh, despite leaving, the, by the way, it did sort of leave the game in the first half again. He's not healthy. Almost, uh, it's very clear to me that he's not healthy. But he's been off the injury report. But it seems like he's leaving the game like every other game now with something coming back in there. But he's, he's a tough guy. But uh, just keep an eye on that moving forward. Um, Gallinari had had the great first half with 19 points. Um, was not too efficient in the game overall, but had 25, number two on the team in scoring, five rebounds, three assists, plus 14. Um, 
9 of 20 from the floor is uh, not bad, but uh, only two of nine on threes. He was actually seven of 11 on twos. Got to the line, though, made all five as he is wont to do. So he still managed to be decently efficient. Defensively, kind of a rough one as usual, but he was able to hide a little bit on Draymond at time, which is definitely helpful. And I thought he was a big part of the Hawks' success in the first half, which was uh, certainly needed in a what became a close game later on. Uh, Capella, I thought was very good again. 19 points, 13 rebounds, had a steal and a block, plus 11, 31 minutes, nine million from the floor, one of two from the free throw line. He had uh, he had a bad game in terms of like his numbers earlier this week, and people kind of panicked again. I'll say this: like I think Capella has been like basically what he was last year for the last. I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. He's been really, really good for a long time. Um, the one game notwithstanding this week, but uh, I am not worried at all about him. He's been uh, very, very good and certainly back to like top 10 center level or higher in the last couple of months. And then Trey Young had a huge second half and a huge game. 33 points, 15 assists. Um, that's obviously speaks for itself. Three, three turnovers as well. That's an excellent ratio for anyone, especially Trey with all the ball handling that he does. Um, he was eight of 11 on twos, four of nine on threes, five, five, three at the free throw line, plus 16 to lead everyone in the game. And by the way, he is your NBA leader in games with at least 30 points and 10, and 10 assists. He now has 18 of those, which is just a crazy high number. 39 minutes in this game for Trey after playing 21 in the second half. He was just excellent. Um, you know, what are you going to say? Trey Young is a star, and that's not anything breaking news. At some point in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a very extensive all-NBA discussion about Trey because it's been a kind of uh, – it's that time of year. I am certainly on the tray for all NBA side of things. I think he's been excellent this season. And uh, another, another minor of that, because, you know, not too many guys in the league can just play. It wasn't like he was an A plus for him either. Like he played well for sure, but it wasn't like he was like out of his mind and he had 33 and 15. Like that just speaks to how crazy good he actually is from here. The Hawks um, actually in the standings, a valuable win, but they're still a game behind Charlotte and a game and a half behind Brooklyn. Uh, of note, in the last couple of days, Brooklyn now has Kyrie Irving for every game, barring uh, injury, because of the uh, change in law and ordinance or whatever you want to say it is in New York City. The Hornets won tonight, by the way, beating the Jazz. So the Hawks technically did not lose ground. It's certainly one that uh, you were obviously rooting for the Jazz in that game. Um, they did, they have some time here. That's worth saying. You know, I, I still believe in my heart of hearts the Hawks are better than the Hornets. Um, and I still believe that. I mean, that's kind of all I have on that. But they're still a game behind, and uh, because there was only eight games left, that game is a big one. Um, I, it's worth noting the Hawks do have, I believe, still a bottom three schedule strength the rest of the way. Um, they play – they do have some road games, which are certainly uh, notable, but they still have games against the Rockets, Thunder, Pacers, and Wizards on the schedule. That's pretty favorable. Um, with that said – the Hornets, I believe, yeah, the Hornets are something like in the middle of the pack schedule-wise. So keep an eye on that. Um, I'm In my brain, I'm saying the Hawks are not likely to overtake the Nets because the Nets at full strength are better than the Hawks right now. And also, they're not not—they're actually at full strength and they have a game and a half lead. So could the Hawks finish the season 7-1 and one and maybe get to the 8 seed? Sure. Are they going to need to do that to get to the 8 seed? Probably. So uh, we just haven't seen the Hawks do that for a long time. You know, as much as I've been fairly positive compared to some people about the Hawks this season, it is worth noting that they have not really had a winning streak of any kind, at least of any real kind since January. Um, they did win three in a row in March, but those wins were uh, famously pretty ugly with the wins over the Clippers in a narrow game, the shorthanded Pacers and the shorthanded uh, Blazers, all very, very easy games. Now on the, on the, at the same time, the schedule is pretty favorable down the stretch, but um, the Hawks are going to need to sort of channel their uh, January performance to make the run they're going to have to make to get into the uh, to get into the seven or eight seed. But still, a uh, an important win on this night for Atlanta.
from here, the weekend is now off for the Hawks. I'm sure they'll practice at least once, if not twice, over the weekend. But they don't play another game until Monday on the road against Indiana. The Pacers are actually uh, certainly not playing well right now. They're 6-16 in the last 20, uh, 22 games. Uh, they're not very good. And the rebuilding, obviously. And the Hawks have swept Indiana to this point. They're 3-0 against the Pacers, so aiming for a season sweep against them. Um, even on the road, the Hawks will be favored in that game, barring some crazy injuries. So that's one that the Hawks... Uh, could certainly lose. We've seen them lose some uh, pretty uh, treacherous road games recently, especially, especially in Detroit, for instance. But that's a game where the Hawks will be favored. And then uh, they play on Wednesday and Thursday in a back-to-back with travel. Wednesday, it's at Oklahoma City, another game in which the Thunder are uh, quite bad right now, but still uh, a road game. And then a quick turnaround for a home game against Cleveland next Thursday. So uh, the Hawks go six days without, without a home game in between there. Uh, you know, the schedule is what it is. We're getting very, very uh, short in terms of time. Just as a reminder, I'm recording this podcast. Well, now it's March 26th as I'm recording now, but it was March 25th when they played. The Hawks are, uh, you know, only about two weeks from the end of the season. The final regular season game is in Houston on April 10th. So you're talking about 15, 16 days regular season basketball before the play-in and uh, the playoffs begin. So a uh, short runway here, but the Hawks do have the talent to run things off here, and uh, certainly a nice uh, way to end the week with a win over a quality opponent at home and back to 500 with a chance once again for the first time in a long time to get over 500 on Monday if they can win against Indiana. So I've said a lot on this podcast. I'm sure I'm rambling uh, deep into the night here on this now Saturday morning, but thank you for listening to, as always to the podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Really appreciate that as well. Check us out on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and we have a newly launched YouTube channel. I've been begging everybody this. Uh, I'll do it again right now. Uh, our YouTube channel is up and running. You can watch me if you want to on you on YouTube. But the biggest thing right now is to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're not going to watch there, it definitely does us a favor to subscribe there and add to that subscriber count. We're aiming for a thousand by the end of the regular season. That's a short runway, as I just said. But uh, if you do go ahead and do that, it takes just two seconds to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. I'd be very, very grateful for all of that. But um, yeah, please spread the word. Please leave reviews, five-star ratings, et cetera, on your favorite podcast platforms, as well as follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter if you would like to, on my personal account at BT Roland, where I'm always tweeting about basketball and baseball and other things. But uh, really appreciate the support, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast, as always. We'll be back again to begin next week, as always. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.